0: Boys, binge boys, binge boys. Binge boys, binge boys. Binge boys, boys. the of shit. It's Binge Boys, the only podcast talking about streaming programs. Please do not fact check that statement. Hello, I am Hal Rudnick and sitting across from me on Zoom is Lon Harris Lon...
1: It's honestly not even the only show called Binge Boys about streaming shows. There is a The Binge Boys, uh, I noticed as well out there. So you (laughs) got to look up. You got to leave the definite article out and just search Binge Boys to find us. There are two other Binge Boys out there.
0: Uh, There's also Binge Mode.
1: There's Binge Mode. There's the act of binging and purging, which we don't uh, suggest that you do. Yes. But they do share our, part of our branding.
0: There's, uh...
1: Why did they do that? It seems like there was no other word other than binge. It's got negative implications.
0: Oh, wh- why Why is why binge... Did, be-
1: whoever coined the term binge for what you do when you watch a bunch of a TV show, they didn't have a moment of pause where they're like, you know what... This is a real thing that impacts millions of people. Maybe we should uh, lay off. And I guess it was word. the
0: only word capable of That's talking it. about the voracious consumption of programs
1: yeah you couldn't say we marathon a show that's not a word that already means that definitely not has no to be. marathon
0: is only used for uh for 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 movies like i'm doing the lord of the rings marathon I or i'm just doing the star saying, wars marathon
1: i like you know maybe we could hepatitis a netflix show and lay off of the people with eating disorders okay or maybe
0: we can full-blown aids a hulu show
1: yeah I think you know what? Did you, you have know, you
0: checked far worse, far worse. <laughs>
1: have you checked out Fargo on Hulu yet? Oh man. I full blown aids the whole thing last week. <laughs> I just full blown full blown aids right through it. Ooh,
0: um I just uh metastasized
1: uh That shit was fucking the tubercular morning show on
0: Apple T V <laughs> plus.
1: Shit was fucking tubercular, dog. Oh man! Uh,
0: you know what? When you when we put it in these terms, binge is pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, that's true. A lot, a lot of people are, you know, they're 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 going to get through that. It's not terminal.
0: True, uh, Lon. So I know there's a, a lot of news. You uh, were giddy as a s- schoolgirl yesterday with all the the Paramount news dropping.
1: Uh, are schoolgirls particularly giddy? I know that's a phrase, but I don't know where that comes from. Listen, I think that maybe that's a little sexist, or
0: being be like, "Ooh, schoolgirls are so giddy. School boys are giddy too." I remember when I was a when I was a little shit.
1: It's clearly a gendered stereotype, but I was going to say, like, I, I actually think school boys i think of as more giddy. Schoolgirls kind of sullen a lot of the time. They're going through some shit, man. Some,
0: some. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a difficult time in a schoolgirl's life.
0: Oh, abs- I mean, l- here's the thing. Adolescence is difficult no matter what gender you may Yeah,
1: like we've be. all seen eighth grade. Would you say that she seems giddy? I don't know if I would.
0: Oh, hell no. I mean, th- there are moments of giddy. Few and far between. And then there are moments of
1: Gucci. <laughs> well done. Wow, brought it all back around. That's why you're the king. That's why oh, you're
0: the king. I mean, if if, if if I'm the king, you are the prime minister. Good, but okay. Still, and I'm just a figurehead. You actually get shit done. All right, Lon Emperor let's... would have been
1: the way. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Listen, I'll listen be your by major. my decree. <laughs> I well, serve well, at your pleasure, your your Majesty.
0: <laughs> On her Majesty's Secret Service. Ah, nice. Tell us about the new James Bond. No, there's
1: no Lon, news. What's
0: happening? No news there. Paramount Plus.
1: Paramount Plus! uh, They had their big... There is James Bond news. Paramount Part of what they announced, Paramount Plus, they are going to have access to the Epics catalog, which is a lot of films we don't even associate with Paramount, including the James Bond series, Hunger Games, other big titles like that. So they are going to have some of those big showcase titles that weren't necessarily Paramount movies. But yesterday, the big announcements were a lot of the original content and programming that they are bringing to Paramount Plus, which, of course, it, it, it you can currently get it. It's called CBS All Access right now. It's mostly Star Trek shows. There's a little bit of Twilight Zone. If you would like to see Queen Latifah play the equalizer, that is an option. But on March 4th, it's going to switch over and become Paramount Plus, which they're hoping is more like a Disney Plus, HBO Max hulu netflix level uh you know option for people who are checking out streaming services and they announced they, they really tried to do their best to match what hbo max and what disney plus and what netflix have been putting out there pushing in terms their of-
0: chips into the middle of the table with the big boys let me ask you a question or a rewind for one sec does the queen latifah equalizer exist uh in the same universe as the
1: denzel equalizer it does not. And let me, I mean, to, to, to start there, we have to go even further back. You're aware, and I just want to make sure all the people listening, The Equalizer was an 80s TV show prior to being... Edward Woodward. Well well done, well done. Uh, so yes, Equalizer was originally an 80s show, then they rebooted it into About, those...
0: And in the 80s... Um, it it wasn't, uh, you know, your, your famous movie star Denzel or the very likable Queen Latifah. It was an elderly gentleman who went around. It was an old British guy, right? Yeah, an old British man. I don't know if he was uh, MI6 or what. Yes, he, see,
1: what, he, I think that's exactly what it was. I believe he was a retired MI6 agent. But he was also Robert McCall. So he's Robert McCall. And then they use that name again. He's still McCall in the Denzel Equalizer. And now she's Robin McCall in the Queen Latifah show. But no, it is a full on reboot. They're doing their own thing with it. And in fact, it's very different because both the the classic show and the Denzel version, they're like lone wolf. Like it's all about like they work alone. They're just like this mysterious figure that shows up and helps People out and then disappears into the night. But the Queen Latifah version is like a CBS procedural. She's got a whole team. Like Adam Goldberg is her like tech guy. Oh, yeah. She's got the it's a whole operation. So they've really changed a lot of the the fundamentals. Chris Noth is her old uh, CIA contact. And um, it's all right. You
0: know, listen, she she plays by a different set of rules.
1: She. She. Uh, I they also I love that the whole show they just pretend that to equalize is a thing people say all the time like they've just made it part of the vernacular so like people will be like. I don't know, McCall, this equalizing you're doing is getting out of hand. Like, they just act like that's a thing people say, and it's well, like— maybe I maybe guess-
0: she started it. Like, maybe she was the one trying to make Fetch happen, and everyone's like, all right, I guess when we're around McCall, we got to call it like we got to just call
1: it Equalize. Like, you would think that that's not—I've never heard anyone use the word Equalizer not in the context of the TV show or film. Oh, no,
0: not at all. Not they're, at all. But they're
1: pretending that that's like, yeah, you know, when you go and help somebody out and so you make the sides equal, you're equalizing. That's just equalizing. One person's
0: vigilante justice is another person's equalizing.
1: I think every episode should end with like a close-up on Adam Goldberg. And it's like, well, that's equalizing.
0: Yep. Oh, another day in the life of equalizing. <laughs> all
1: right, so that's. That's our review of CBS. Is the equalizer? Thank there.
0: you for uh, filling in that question. You, uh, you will go above and beyond when you answer a question, Lon. All right, more do Paramount News.
1: All right, so uh, big uh, some of the news. We'll just go over this quickly. We got a TV series based on Halo that was going to go to Showtime. Now it's coming to Paramount Plus. Ah, Master Chef, Master Chef, no, Master Chief. He's not a Master chef. Chief. He's okay. never cooked anything <laughs> in his life. I thought I don't oh, he's really cooked
0: some alien carcasses with. I don't. I don't Pulse really rifle. play these
1: games. I will admit to you that I thought he was a robot until not very long ago. Like, oh no, I've, he's
0: a dude! In a... I've
1: only recently realized Master Chief is a human man because they're in that armor with the visor. They don't look like just just a people in there. It looks like it could be anything. Oh yeah,
0: look, no, that looks like some stormtrooper shit. Or no, I mean some uh, robotic.
1: Right. So so uh, Pablo Schreiber, a, a he's a vet of the wire. He was in that Gerard Butler Den of Thieves movie. He's going to be your master chief.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I like this guy. He's got range. He's like he's funny, and he's uh, like I think he could deliver some snarky action catchphrases. I don't. And, uh, I just
1: I don't know. I know I can't really make a good judgment because I know so little about the Halo franchise outside of just like I've played it where you just run around and you shoot the thing at the at the other guys, and it's like. You've got, like, the pink needle gun, and you shoot it, and then it's got the little buggy that you drive, but I don't know the story. You know, what am I doing there?
0: Yeah, and then, like, so many of these video games turn just uh, narrative uh, projects. It's like, will it even... What what will they keep of the old, and what will they reinvent, and will it even be watchable?
1: So who knows? So it sounds a little like it'll be like a Starship Trooper Z type thing, but yeah, it's like Future War, Halo, that's coming. Sure. Uh, uh, There's also a ton of movie, a ton of TV shows, new TV shows based on classic Paramount movies. There's one that's The Italian Job, and it's it's it's. Taking off the Michael Caine, the original version, and it's like the grandkids of Michael Caine's character from the original Italian job find his old safety deposit box that has the setup for another heist that they're going to pull. So that's that's like they're off on a new adventure. Uh, so,
0: so it's it's the Italian. So it's going to be a, a different job. Is it also going to be in Italy?
1: Uh, I'm 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 assuming maybe, or they're just calling it Italian job, and that will connect it to the original, and it'll be the Turkish job in this one or something, and they'll just. Right, You're keeping the name because the Turkish job wouldn't mean anything to me. It sounds no. like a thing you order at a at an unlicensed massage
0: parlor. Oh yeah, or like some kind of like a steam bath.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm going <laughs> to do one of those Turkish jobs, but you know, off the books. Uh, love story, you remember 1970s love story, famous romantic drama. Uh, that's Ryan coming. O'Neill. Ryan O'Neal, exactly that. That's coming back as a. Uh, it's going to be from the uh, the creators of the OC and Gossip Girl are doing the new Love Story. Okay, uh,
0: so it'll be uh, uh, severely dumbed down, and no,
1: oh, uh, like, like it'll cool. be like a CW take, which which makes sense. I mean, that's the modern context for that. Yeah,
0: that's the that's the world we live in.
1: I get, I get that. Uh, man who fell to earth that which was it's it's a novel by walter tevis who's the same guy that wrote the novel the queen's gambit back it to was, love story yes let's go back to love story let's let's do it
0: do you uh do, if i'm not mistaken the original love story was produced by
1: bob evans
0: robert evans
1: yeah exactly <laughs> he describes it in the Kid Stays of the picture there's a whole section about it, like was it difficult you bet it was <laughs> like there's a whole yeah because he's all right he got to talk about you know Frank Sinatra and like all getting the movie made and it's got a whole there's a but whole. did I
0: get the job done you goddamn right and oh Ali McGraw was the was the was the co-star who was romantically linked with Robert Evans and for uh, anybody listening who's not familiar with the kid stays in the picture a real just great saga about old Hollywood and the guy Robert Evans who produced uh, the Godfather and many. Uh,
1: Oh, pictures. basically like ran Paramount in the 70s and made all of the 70s Paramount hits with Chinatown, the Godfather love story. Uh, and, and is still what, you know, died only fairly recently, was active making films. I feel like I've told this story on this podcast before. Stop me if I have. I saw him moderate a Q&A with Wes Anderson once. There was Whoa. a director's no, guild screening. This. There was a director's guild screening of the Royal Tenenbaums. And we knew that they were going to bring, uh, you know, Wes Anderson out at the end to do a QA. Bob Evans came out to be the moderator of the QA, and he is the worst possible choice on planet Earth because he can't stop talking. He won't fucking shut up for a second. He's just stories. And Wes Anderson, a very soft spoken, kind of mild mannered guy that you got to kind of work to get him talking. So, Wes Anderson barely said anything like like maybe we got to answer three questions and it was just evans the whole time talking about about wes anderson's movie and just leading off into other topics it was ridiculous
0: yeah and they seem like so uh, such opposite end of the spectrum guys like bob evans is like i'm gonna go to Musso and frank's and have a steak and a couple of martinis and wes anderson is uh you know i'm, go- I'm gonna go home and uh, listen to some new vinyl that i got
1: let me tell you, there were about 300 movies that this movie reminded me of, let me go through them one at a time. All right, baby. Like, it was like that, and it was like nothing anybody could do. Uh, it was one of the two most ridiculous Q&As I've ever seen. The other one was uh, Judd Apatow hosting a Q&A with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson for There Will Be Blood and just telling dick jokes the whole time and not really asking any questions.
0: Oh man, reel it in, Apatow. It's not that kind of uh movie. It okay. was like, what so, the hell's going
1: on? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> that's that's a lot, that's a lot of backstory. Uh, so Man Who Fell to Earth, it's a David Bowie Nicholas Rogue movie. They did an adaptation in the 70s. We're gonna get a new take on it with Chuatel Ejiofor as the alien who crash lands on planet Earth. We're also got a show based on the Parallax View. That's a 70s movie with Warren Beatty, one of those 70s conspiracy political thriller type shows. And we're going to get a Grease prequel series that's about the formation of the Pink Ladies girl group by uh, Frenchie's older sister. And that takes place the school year before the musical Grease is set.
0: Oh, so Frenchie's older
1: sister was a senior... I'm presuming, yes. French the, and- the year before, Frenchie's older sister has since graduated, and this is about Frenchie's older sister Jane's senior year at Rydell High. Ooh,
0: tell me more, tell me more. Nicely done, yes, thanks.
1: So then, right, then that, presumably this series will end, the summer happens, which would be like summer loving, it happens so fast, and then Grease happens when they go back to school in the fall.
0: I mean, okay, let me ask you this. Will, uh, will... They have rapey songs like the original Grease.
1: I'm going to go ahead and suggest that they probably will not. It'll probably be more along tonally. I'm thinking more like Grease too, where the songs are just about like "Let's Go Bowling." Bowling sounds fun.
0: <laughs> um, I auditioned for Grease in high school. <laughs> I
1: thought you were going to say you auditioned for Grease too, and I was going to be like, "How you're too young to have?" Been oh, I auditioned for the
0: part of the infant. Um, <laughs> it's
1: like I auditioned for Michelle Pfeiffer's role.
0: I, I, I wanted to play Kaniki because Kaniki uh, sings uh, uh, "Grease Lightning. Go yeah, go "Grease Lightning, Yeah. Oh, and that, that's a fucking showstopper. And I ended up getting cast uh, in a non one of the few non singing parts as Vince Fontaine, the radio DJ. <laughs>
1: nice. Yeah, that, I honestly. I know you were disappointed. I can kind of see it. I feel like that. I feel like even now that makes sense to me.
0: Hey, everybody. It's Vince Fontaine spinning the stacks of wax here at the House of Wax, W A X X. See, I still got it. I still-
1: yeah, I, like that. That's like if you were alive in the 50s, that is who you would have been. Like, you would be that guy. You'd be the guy on the radio, the fast talking radio kid, you know?
0: Oh, there you go.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, so, we th- th- got lots more. We got. Uh, Yellow, the Yellowstone creator Taylor Sheridan, he's also the guy who wrote Sicario. He wrote Hell or High Water. He's creating a whole bunch of shows that, like, if you if you have a, a lot of like Western and Midwestern dad energy, and you love Yellowstone, you're gonna like all of these. They're all like very ranchy, like. Like a man in an oil rig and it's a drama. There's like a lot of that. There's one with Jeremy Renner where he's the mayor of this like hardscrabble Michigan town where the whole town is like the, the prison is the center of the town. Uh, and then there's one about like a rough and tumble ranch in West Texas, like a period show. And it's about like the cowboys who work on it. And then there's one that's a prequel to Yellowstone that's about Kevin Costner's ancestors, like pioneers, Crossing the Great Plains to to go start their ranch.
0: Gotcha. So uh, yeah, about man versus nature.
1: Just a lot of yeah, just just ranch story. It's 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 like a little billions, rugged individualism. It's like billions, but if you can't relate to like office building guys in suits, if you're just more like jeans, you know, cowboy hat, truck, but but still wheeling dealing, making billions, like. It's it's both those worlds. I feel like is what is what these shows are capturing.
0: Or could you describe it as Succession, except instead of a multinational media corporation, it's a ranch with several thousand head of cattle.
1: Yes, yeah, sequestion. That's what it's, that's what Sequest-
0: it is. Oh, that, see you know what, what I did
1: there?
0: Yeah. Um, you. Yep. Yep. You. Uh, you create a little uh, little there. It's a, it's a there.
1: Portmanteau. Uh, portmanteau. All right, so. Wrap up that one next. Fraser, they're bringing Fraser back. Although we don't know, we don't know what for. We know Doctor Fraser Crane will be in a new show played by Kelsey Grammer. I'm listening. But we, is there going to be Niles? Are we going to get Daphne in here? Is Roz coming along? We know. Are we obviously- going to? Are we
0: going to get the greatest theme song in television history?
1: Yeah, is he gonna sing to us about scrambled eggs anymore? Toss uh, salad and scrambled eggs. Sadly, we know John Mahoney, the late great John Mahoney. He will be unable to appear. He played, you know, Fraser's dad, Martin Crane on the show. Uh, he he passed away in 2018. So he he won't be taking part. But listen, um,
0: listen, they could go th- they could go the Princess Leia route. The uh,
1: I don't think they're going to digitally put Mahoney back in.
0: Yes, there. digitally bring Mahoney and the dog.
1: Now let me throw this at you: Would it make sense to you at all? What if we skipped the back over Frazier? What if we brought in uh, George Went John Ratzenberger? What if we went the other way? What if, if Frazier moves back to Boston, folks? That's what I'm asking.
0: I mean. I wouldn't mind a little Bebe Newworth up in there.
1: Little sure. I mean, we get listen. I feel like Ted Danson's a pretty busy guy. He's he's doing Mr. Mayor. He's got Curb. I don't know if he'd want to come back, but but just about everybody else, I feel. Like. Well, Kirstie Alley may be out, but okay, just about anybody I, else.
0: Here's the thing: uh, the what you're billing as the Frasier reunion would be you're, you're bearing the lead. This would be a Cheers reunion.
1: It would be a Cheers reunion, but a show about Frazier could take place in either of these worlds. The, there's the Seattle Frazier world, but then there's the Boston Frazier world. Mm. That's all I'm saying. I'm just putting it out there. Or like. wh- maybe Frazier buys out. Gary's Old Town Tavern. There, that's a setup. Now we're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Or what if uh, what what if Kelsey Grammer uh, r- reveals that I know I've been gone a few years. It's because I hijacked a money plane.
1: <laughs> that's. That's Darius Emmanuel Grouch the Third, aka the Rumble. Totally different. Not Doctor Fraser Crane, unless he's assumed an alternate identity. I'm on board for a Fraser Money Plane crossover I mean, here's, project.
0: Here's the thing, dog. If you're gonna hijack a money plane,
1: uh, don't go
0: using your real name. He, he okay.
1: does. He hires. It. He he does not personally.
0: Hijack. It. I know. He 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 just uh, through a proxy. Brought in the team. Brought in. Uh, he brought in Edge. He
1: or- just. That's just classic Rumble. Well, it's just... Is that Christian or Edge? It's Edge. Edge, Edge is
0: yeah. the wrestler Edge. in my
1: opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of Lawrence brothers. A lot of Lawrence
0: brothers. A gaggle of Lawrences. Yeah,
1: whole, what do you call a group of Lawrences? We'll look that up.
0: A murder of Lawrence. A
1: murder of Lawrences. A woe of Lawrences? I feel like it's that.
0: A womb of Lawrences. No, it's
1: a woe of Lawrences. Oh, yeah. A woe. Yeah. Whoa. Remember that... that. Oh yeah! It, For you yeah. people under fifty out there, there was a sitcom called Blossom that featured Joey Lawrence. His catchphrase on it was just going "Whoa!" and America's sweetheart Mayim Bialik. And my yeah, current current call me call me Kate, call me Cat. Think it's her show? Whatever.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Uh oh. We're still doing Paramount
0: Plus, Hal. We're not through this yet. Boy, an embarrassment of riches. What They really backed up a dump truck full of
1: stuff. We've also got a ton of Comedy Central and MTV nostalgia projects coming. There's a Beavis and Butthead movie. Uh, Amy Schumer. We're going to do uh, five Inside Amy Schumer specials. There's a Workaholics movie. Reno 911 is getting a movie where they investigate the QAnon conspiracy. Uh, yo MTV raps is coming back. The real world road rules challenge is coming back. Unplugged is coming back. I was
0: on Reno 911 a couple of times. Were
1: you really? Yeah. Oh, I Mm -hmm. didn't realize that. Was that, were you on the, the classic comedy central one or the quibby one?
0: No, the classic comedy central one. Wow. Uh, I, uh, I robbed a donut shop.
1: Mm -hmm. And then
0: another time I played a representative from the Vatican Coming to Reno to vet the city to see if it was worthy of a visit from the Pope.
1: Were you, did it, was there a reveal that you weren't really from the Vatican at the end? Was it one of those reversals or you, you were legit? Oh, no, I was
0: legit. I was legit. Yeah, I was, I, was I like Cardinals. that they cast
1: a Jew for that role. Good, good for them.
0: Oh, yeah. It's because I, it's because I'm, I'm an eighth Italian. And I had to speak with an Italian accent, and uh, I <laughs> I listened to some accents, which
1: I'm sure I'm sure you nailed. Obviously,
0: uh, I mean, I'm uh you know they call me the man of several voices, <laughs>
1: the man of up to six voices. Yes. Uh, uh,
0: oh, and uh, so maybe they'll bring you back, maybe. Inside Amy Schumer, back to uh, so I think Inside Amy Schumer is uh, a, a, a very good sketch show. Do very you, good. Yes. Do you? Uh, do you remember the uh, the Aaron Sorkin parody they did of the the fast food room or whatever it was called? Yeah, that was so good. If you was it the uh, break
1: room or something? Uh, it was it was the newsroom, but the in a
0: burger room, the fast food room, something like that. But so great. If you, if you, anybody out there, if you haven't seen that, uh, it's, it's on YouTube. Get after it.
1: Uh, so right, so she was. There was always a con- they did four the seasons room, of Inside the Food Room, the Food Room. They yeah. did. Uh, they did four seasons of Inside Amy Schumer, and they had contractually agreed to do a fifth. And just she always got busy, and they, it never happened. So this is going to be instead of a fifth season, they're going to do five specials for Paramount Plus.
0: Gotcha. I'm. I'm glad they're doing that because uh, that fifth season not coming to pass was a real train wreck.
1: Right. So uh, <laughs> she that was she did that movie. Yes, LeBron James. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Avatar. We got to talk about this. So the guys who created Avatar: The Last Airbender. Now this is not. This is not the James Cameron blue alien avatar. No. This is the boy arrow on his head animated cartoon avatar.
0: mm Hmm.
1: Airbending, waterbending. The one. The one. The one. M Night Shyamalan ruined. Yes. But
0: now royally effed up. That what a. So this is interesting. What a joyless movie that was.
1: So those two guys who created the animated series, they have agreed to create a whole range of projects in that world for both Nickelodeon and Paramount Plus movies, new shows, all kinds of stuff. But interestingly, there is also a Netflix live-action Avatar: The Last Airbender project that's in the works right now, and that's still happening, as far as we know. Now, the creators are not working on that; they don't like that. They're doing this new thing instead. But we will have—we may have competing Avatar: The Last Airbender universes in the near future. Wow. World.
0: Uh, kind of like the competing uh, jungle books from a couple of years ago.
1: It's a little ago. bit like the competing... It's a little bit like like one's the deep impact and one's the Armageddon of uh, of this. Uh, well,
0: Dante's but, Peak and the volcano. Yeah,
1: of of kids who have powers to, like, fire dirt at each other. But here we are.
0: The, the, there it is. You know... Um, They're
1: good shows. I don't mean to not. The, the They're Avatar, very good shows. I like The, the
0: last Airbender fans, they win. They win. Because the uh the, the, the as we mentioned the Shyamalan movie did not do justice and so I'm ha- I'm happy for the fans
1: well yeah I'm one of them I mean it's a, the I, I I'm I haven't gone through Legend of Korra I, I've seen a bunch of it uh but I love the original series and yeah more more stuff in that world I think is great news so uh, I'm I'm among the fans that we're happy for finally the last bit of Paramount Plus news can't believe we made it uh Dave Grohl has a show called From Cradle to Stage. It's mm-hmm. based on a book that his mom, Virginia Grohl, wrote. So every episode is going to be about the relationship between a different rock star and their mom, and including an episode about Dave and his mom, Virginia.
0: Do we have a list of the rock stars that are going to be?
1: We don't. I I, I would love to I would love to hear that. Which which rock star's mom would you most want to meet? Um
0: probably uh, uh Lil Xan.
1: of all of the whole range of rock stars in history does he even count as a rock star
0: that's my um yeah soundcloud rapper
1: (laughs) soundcloud rapper lil xan that he'd be the number one yeah i don't know i'm betting that ozzy osbourne's mom is not still alive but if she were that would be a great episode i'd want
0: to let's do a little uh let's do a little improv as ozzy and his mom who do you want to play
1: well, so, Mom, thank you very much for coming on the show with me. see, I asked you to prepare me a cup of tea. Well, no, all the good Dave Grohl is here. He's, he's one of the Foo Fighters, but well, we gotta to talk to him now. Dave, who? It's Dave Grohl. His father's fighting on the Foo, Mother. There's Foo coming, and this man is one of- he's from Nevada, Mother. Have you been eating your vegetables? I've been eating all of the vegetables. It's very important to eat veggies. When you're eating bad, you've got to balance it out with some vegetables. And scene. And that's
0: just a taste of what you can get in Cradle to the Stage. I almost said Cradle to the Grave.
1: I know, because that's the expression. That's what's so weird about it. It's like you're making a play on a really dark idiom. All right, we got some more news. Let's keep, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yes. Uh, David Fincher he's going to reunite with the screenwriter of 7 Andrew Kevin Walker uh, they're going to oh, make David
0: Fincher the uh, director Fincher. of the highly decorated
1: Mank and only Mank the guy made his debut with Mank so that young tiro is going to follow up Mank with uh, with his new it's called The Killer they got to work on that title first of all already a notable film called The Killer but I just it's just uncreative. It's about uh it's a, it's a graphic novel series by a guy named Alexis Nolant. It's about an assassin who's having a psychological breakdown uh and they're thinking, eyeing and talks with Michael Fassbender to play that assassin. Uh
0: there it is. And uh is is this uh did you say this is for Netflix as well? This is a
1: Netflix film, uh it'll be a movie. Uh looks to be David Fincher's next film. The follow-up to Mank. I mean, very cool. Uh,
0: you know, I, I like uh, David Fincher and, and some uh, trademark dark territory here. And uh,
1: yeah. I know you were hoping for Mank to high voltage, but I guess we'll have to. Yeah, I, we'll was, have to wait. I was. I
0: was. Uh, Mank, it's awesome. Wells. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Memorable See, We just played a clip. That was a clip from Mank. If
0: you guys I, I could go yeah, I, I mean I would spend I don't know how many movies, but several. I would spend several movies in the Mankiverse.
1: You know, the Mank shared universe, yeah. Well, maybe 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 down the road. We'll,
0: we'll but for now choice. it'll have to be the pedestrianly titled The Killer. The
1: Killer. Uh so we also had two trailers today. Army of the Dead. That's the new Zack Snyder film. It concerns that looks super fun. A crew. Uh-huh. Let me ask you this though. It's about a crew. They're pulling a heist. During a zombie apocalypse on a casino in Vegas, Mm -hmm. if a zombie apocalypse had happened, and I mean, we're talking deep, we're not talking like it just started, like the city's gone, like the buildings have collapsed, everybody's a fucking zombie, it's chaos out there. Okay. Why do you need a vault full of dollar bills? Like, what is that going to do for you? Right. Well, I guess the economic
0: system hasn't collapsed yet in, in the movie.
1: If we're at the point where the strip is like a wasteland and the the buildings collapsed on themselves, and it's like everything is like burned hellscape, it are you still? You could still go to Seven Eleven and and like use money for goods and services. Like, well,
0: I'm just I don't know the movie yet. I, but uh, but judging for the movie to be at all plausible, for for the for the scenario to exist, money would have to still be usable. I,
1: I'm saying it just doesn't make sense. Is what I'm
0: saying. What I'm saying is that I, I don't think we're as deep into the apocalypse as you think. As you're saying.
1: So you're like the apocalypse Legal started.
0: Tender is still is, is still taken.
1: They're like, the apocalypse started two, three days ago, and they're like, maybe these zombies are just going to wear themselves out, and then the supply chain is still going to exist. Like, where would you even, like, go? Like, what? Like, there's, what, you think, ATMs are working? Like, how? What? Come on.
0: Yeah, the zombies didn't unplug the internet. They're just running around biting didn't people.
1: did though? Like, if the people,
0: well, it, like, with no zombies questions that i don't have the answers to yet but obviously there's no zombies batista wouldn't raid this vault if money didn't matter
1: here's what i'm saying i think dave batista you're fucking wasting your time man go go find some water like go go shoot some people for gasoline like get some guzzoline yeah shit that has some fucking value like what this would be like if Mad Max Fury Road stopped halfway through and they just, like, went to a bullet, uh, an ammo store. and Like, ah, oh, better reload. Like, no, you can't. It's, there's, there's an apocalypse. That's what the apocalypse means.
0: Yeah, maybe Batista needs to just, like, load up on cliff bars. and It's uh... like,
1: it's honestly, maybe it's a pandemic metaphor where it's, like, civilization shut down. But, you know, Ralph's is still open. You can still, like, everything's yeah. fucked up. But, like, yeah. If, you want a taco, there's places.
0: If I want a taco, I'm going to call you and uh, you'll grab your dog. Lon's dog is named Taco. Uh,
1: so that's, that's my quick thoughts. It looks like a fun movie. I just, I can't get past this. I can't get, why are you stealing money? Because, the, what bigger distraction do you want
0: than, like, an Ocean's Eleven? They, they, they pulled the, the, the heist the night of a huge prize fight, right. correct?
1: No, a prize fight is a distraction. A, a zombie apocalypse is like it's beyond a distraction. No, a zombie
0: apocalypse is a next level distraction.
1: It, it's distracting anyone from being able to take the thing that you want to use as
0: payment for stuff. Like, except distracting anyone except a motherfucker like Dave Batista who's got his eyes on the prize. Lawn.
1: When I heard they were doing, it's like it's a it's a heist film during a zombie apocalypse. I was like, oh, there's like a government facility that has the like cure. For zombism, and that's what they're going to go steal. Not, not a vault full of money. This is like a like money, like a vault full of money. What are, all right, let's
0: <laughs> Well, I guess we're going to have to see if, if it passes the smell test uh, once it comes out.
1: Uh, another trailer: Hulu's Modoc. This is with uh, Pat Oswalt doing the voice. It looks kind of robot chickeny in terms of the the stop motion animation. It's a comedy show about a Marvel supervillain who's just a floating, angry, evil head.
0: Yeah, Patton Oswald does this stuff well. He's uh, very funny. He plays those characters well. He's good on Twitter, but that doesn't matter in regards to this. I'm just saying that. I enjoy him. Uh, well, a lot of retweeting, though. He does a lot of retweeting. Um, and then contextualizing with, like, you know, LOL or whatever. So, you know what, I take that. He's a, I follow him. He's a, You know, follow him. Anyway, what do you think of Patton Oswald on Twitter? That's
1: I do. I, I will really say my one thing about Patton Oswald, and I've never seen him there, but he and I have the same favorite restaurant, uh, which is Little Dom's in Los Feliz. So I enjoy
0: Little Dom's.
1: I mean, it's an institution in L.A. It's not like it's this secret place that only we know about. But he mentions it a lot, and he tweets about being there a lot, so I always feel like maybe one time I'll see him there. So I like I like that aspect of his time.
0: Oh, there you go. There you go. Very nice. But yeah, this you know, I was kind of you know nonplussed. It's a you know a, f- a fun, silly take on the superhero genre. There's a little bit of uh, the- Modoc, that character. There's um, aspects of him um, messing around with his henchmen that reminds me of the Monarch from Venture Brothers.
1: Yeah, I was. That's what I was going to say. I feel like we've had a lot of shows in this mode where it's like it's it's a it's a genre property. It's this real kind of. Throwback campy comic book thing, but we're going to take this very modern, ironic, adult swim kind of sensibility towards it, you know, where it's like self aware. I think Venture Brothers is the perfect, like Archer Venture Brothers. I yeah. think I feel like it feels like it, it has that it sets feel. It-
0: it sets itself apart because it does have the, the Marvel stamp on right. it. Right,
1: and it is going to draw from Marvel movies and Marvel comics and that whole world, so it'll be fun for fans to see things they recognize and little shout-outs and whatever. Yeah, it'll probably be fun, you know. Yeah. Uh, so Good those time. are the two trailers. One more piece of news, and then we can review some Whoa, stuff so that we've watched. Oh, so much news. Hey, big week. What do you want from me? Yeah. Uh, So this one, moving over to Disney Plus, there's a guy named Ronald D. Moore. He created the reboot of Battlestar Galactica for sci-fi years ago. Oh, great show. He's the guy behind Apple's uh, For All Mankind, their alternate space program history show. Season two of that just went up recently.
0: Oh, that very The Right Stuff kind of vibe to it? Right,
1: except it's like it's in an alternate world where the Soviet Union beat the U.S. to the moon. So Mm -hmm. now the the whole space race is kind of thrown off and happens differently. Yes. Uh, So that guy, he's now signed over with Disney. He's going to create new shows for Disney. We knew he was going to do a Swiss Family Robinson show. There's been some talk about him maybe doing something with Star Wars, although that's all rumors right now. But we, we know that now they've announced this week he's going to create a whole new franchise, a shared universe, shows and films, for Disney Plus, and they're set in an alternate universe where everything that exists at Disney theme parks is real. So there's going to be a kickoff series called the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, and the examples they gave is like, imagine the Matterhorn Climbers going on an adventure with the Jungle Boat Captains, or taking a trip to Big Thunder Mountain, or Going to Space Mountain or whatever. Wait, so
0: do the, do the
1: theme parks exist in this world? No, the theme parks don't exist. All of the worlds from the theme parks are real. So there's an adventure land. There's a frontier land. There's an it's a small world, whatever that is like. There's all of these things have real components or real counterparts. So like somewhere in this land, there's a haunted mansion, you know, you you get, you get what I'm saying.
0: Okay. So it's got a lot of possibilities. It's having a
1: jamboree, Hal. They're having hmm. one. Okay. Just seems
0: like kind of a real big mishmash to me. It it seems like a shoehorned mishmash.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't I don't really know what to make of it because to me, when when I first read this, like I read the headline, it was like Ronald D. Moore's creating like a shared Disney park universe. I thought Disney characters, you know? I thought it would be like, oh, Captain Hook and Maleficent are gonna go on an adventure with Roger Rabbit and they're gonna meet Snow White and Dumbo. You know, like I thought that. But no, apparently it's not those characters. It's the theme park characters, which I don't really think of as like. Particularly memorable; those rides are experiences, not stories.
0: It would be cool to see them create some kind of uh, IP off of that uh, that Galaxy's Edge.
1: Yeah, what? Where? What is? what Maybe like a an outer space franchise with, yeah, with alien monsters. Thing. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like a lot of the best rides are like the Indiana Jones ride or Mister Toad's Wild Ride, or you know, like they're already based on IP.
0: How do you make a cool? I mean, I get you know they'll figure out something. Hopefully, they get you know a good scribe and they can turn. But it's just like you're on a ride going up and down. It sounds to me like it's going to be less.
1: It's going to be less the attraction itself, and it's going to be more like the world. Like so, because they they mentioned specifically those characters. So like there will be a celebrity who's playing a Matterhorn climber. And that will be, the thing will be built around that as opposed to just the Matterhorn.
0: Well, we had Pirates of the Caribbean already. We do.
1: So, I mean, they'll probably figure out a way to tie that in, I'm assuming. hmm Like, now those Pirates exist in this universe.
0: Oh, Lon, I can't bring up Pirates without asking you to do your classic uh, 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 Captain Jack Sparrow impression.
1: What? <laughs> Have I ever done that?
0: On, play along
1: with the bit. <laughs> play my along with is that, the bit. That's not a bit. Just making up something and saying another person could do it is not a bit. That's just putting me on the spot. Yes, it is. Okay, sound
0: off in the comments. Of uh, ooh,
1: savvy, I'm uh, moving around. Half of a Jack Sparrow is visual because I got to move around and do the bobbing and weaving thing like he
0: does. You started to do the impression and then you just deconstructed it.
1: Yeah, well, I because it's basically just doing Johnny Depp's Raul Duke voice from Fear and Loathing, but then you move around like you're drunk. This is like, oh, we got stuff here. And this then obviously with country. a
0: little bit of Keith Richards, he, he's given him many Sort a nod. of, it's,
1: it's really very similar to the Raul Duke voice. Like, I realize we are not on that list? Well, we must have that sweet. And scene. There you
0: go. You're above and beyond. That's Raul Duke.
1: That's just a Hunter Thompson
0: impression. That's not. Ron, that's not you over-deliver.
1: A? <laughs> eh? mm, Savage? Yeah,
0: but so, uh, yeah, I'm ice cold on this th- theme park show idea. Ice cold. Ice cold. Yeah.
1: Wow, down on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I can't. Like, I'm a fan of Disney parks generally, but it's hard for me to even think of what, like, a lot. Almost all the most iconic experiences are already somebody else's IP, like the teacups. You're like, oh, well, something with the teacups, but like, no, that's just Alice in Wonderland.
0: Yeah. Now, now I'm waiting for HBO Max to counter with the Great American <laughs> theme, uh, theme Park.
1: Yeah, right. It's just gonna be like. Six Flags rides,
0: yeah, Magic Mountain. What about uh, a Viper
1: series? Th- there you go. Yeah, what about a yeah series about like Parachuters Perch? It's just it's a drama about questionable looking teens that make you decide against going to that part of the park later at <laughs> night. Oh
0: <laughs> well, yeah, M- Magic Mountain can get a little dicey.
1: That was always the thing with Magic Mountain. Is like, ah, is it gonna be a is it gonna be a cool laid back day or is it gonna be a like cluster of 30 suspect-looking young people day.
0: Yes. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. And then how about uh, a universe based on the Universal Studios? They so <laughs> have a you similar can...
1: problem, where it's like, oh, what about a movie based on that Jurassic Park ride? Like, well, oh, well, mm, okay.
0: exactly. Uh, yeah,
1: Yeah, so it's a little puzzling. It's a little puzzling to know what to make out of that one, but I'm sure we'll get a lot more information very soon.
0: Lon, uh, just uh, a deluge of news.
1: A disgusting cavalcade of news. We've, we've only got like 15, 20 minutes left in our show. Again, you overdeliver. Do you not feel like you know what's coming your way on Paramount Plus right now? Do you not feel informed about the future of your Paramount Plus streaming I so options?
0: About, I know so much about what's coming to Paramount Plus. I don't even need to watch it now.
1: I didn't. We didn't even talk about Star Trek. We could have talked about. There's more. There's more. Well, okay. I, I held if, back. If
0: you're if you're teasing it, what's going on?
1: Oh, okay. Well, there's gonna be. There's there's a Star Trek show called Strange New Worlds. That's gonna be a prequel to the original Star Trek series. So it's like right. It's like C- Captain Pike and Spock on the Enterprise before Kirk got there.
0: Ooh, I like that. And so you're going to have, like, throwback to the old school uniforms and everything? I'm,
1: I'm presuming they're going to do the best they can to, yeah, like, make it look like the era right before the original series would have been happening. Uh, and then there's going to be the first ever Star Trek so- show designed specifically for kids, Star Trek Prodigy, that was going to be on Nickelodeon, but now it's going right to Paramount.
0: Oh, not Star Trek Babies?
1: No Trek Babies, although great idea.
0: Star Trek Babies. Now we're getting sued. Get
1: copyright strike.
0: Bones McCoy and Little Spock. (laughs) Sued.
1: (laughs) We're done. Can't sing the Muppet Babies theme on your podcast? The hell are you thinking?
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, Please don't sue us. Uh, Jim Henson Studios.
1: Jim Henson's estate.
0: (laughs) Yes. All right. Coming up, we uh, we watch some stuff. We're going to talk about it. Lawn, yeah, we we watched the uh, new uh, Peter Dinklage Rosman Pike movie. I care a lot on Netflix. And, I really enjoyed um, it. I I cared for this movie. I I very much pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, oh. I I think it's important to make a decision. It's one of those movies where I think you could read it as. This is just a celebration of this rotten, evil character, and you're just rooting for the bad guy, and it's, like, fun to root for the bad guy. Like a a Wild Things or a Payback or that that kind of anti-hero thing. I think you can view it on that level. I thought it was really working as more of a satire, almost like a female con artist version of something like The Wolf of Wall Street, where – it's it's a satire about the society and the kind of world that would allow a person like this to prosper.
0: Yeah, a little bit different, but I'll take you to a throwback, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels as well. These are characters that we love to hate, but Rosamund Pike... And Peter Dinklage, they're, they're just like delicious and fun to watch uh, their rivalry. And uh, they both play the hell out of it. Peter Dinklage plays a real good heavy and he, he they chew the scenery and they, they butt heads. It kind of reminded me, of a Cohen Brothers film made with a little less personality. One of the things that I bumped on with this film a little bit is that kind of the mob stereotypes and the, some of that stuff that we ran into was a little bit cliche. I feel like we could have made some of the, besides the lead characters, I think we could have had some fun, unique side characters because that's one of the things that, always, uh, that I always enjoy in a Coen brothers film or some Tarantino, for example, like the, it's, it's, uh, it's occupied by these fun little cameos and performances. Whereas this was a little bit more by the numbers and like the supporting cast, but the I thought there was just a lot of fun action back and forth between the two leads, and uh, yeah. yeah, no, so, I mean,
1: and I think a lot of the humor comes from the fact that they're they're obviously, I mean, she's a con artist who's taking advantage of elderly people through this like elaborate scam of getting conservatorship over them. He's a gangster, uh, just a violent gangster. Uh, yeah, and I think it. Nobody really tries to stop them. There's a lot of people in the positions who could be putting an end to them and their schemes and everybody kind of looks the other way And to me. That was a lot of what the movie was sort of getting at was like, this is a society that not only condones this behavior, but celebrates it. There, there are heroes there. There are the lions and we're the lambs. And these are the people that win. And, and uh, I thought that if you read it on that level, I think it's a really interesting movie. There's a lot going on there. Um, That's that's not just bad people being bad for fun. Yeah, Didn't she have a didn't uh, Rosamund
0: Pike have a line of dialogue to that effect? Like in life, there are two kinds of people. Yeah, she's
1: right. The lions and lambs thing I got from her. That's a VO line for her. But that's it's just uh, it's it's similar to Wolf of Wall Street in some ways that it's really it's really showing us like this is what we've incentivized. Like this is how we've told people they need to act to get ahead. And it works. And so why wouldn't people who don't have a moral compunction to not act that way, we're not doing anything to stop them. Um, and I think that it's, it's interesting on that level and a little deeper than some of the, the people, the commentary I've seen about.
0: It. I think you're missing out. If you feel like this film is celebrating this behavior, we're just watching. We, I mean, I think it knows that it's reveling in darkness and that we're watching these evil people connive and try to outsmart each other. And Here's the thing. It's not without their con- It's not without consequences. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's not without consequences. But yeah, back in the day, the 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 Hays Code, which was the motion before you had ratings on films, the motion picture kind of code of mores would not allow the bad guy. It was like a for like you couldn't have a in, a villain or a bad guy win at the end. So, uh, but I think it's abs- It was a very. I was very pleasantly surprised. And let me tell you how much um, I enjoyed it. I jumped th- this is not the way to watch a movie but um my I know you uh you, you think I'm becoming the guy who's always like well my wife and I but my wife was watching the, the movie and I and I walked in and I'm like what are you watching and she's like I care a lot and I'm like oh I was supposed to watch that uh for the podcast and I I jumped in about 45 50 minutes into the movie I don't suggest anyone doing that but for this it didn't bother me I got right on board and then you went, I you uh, went
1: back and, and watched the
0: Oh yeah, then I went back. Then I went back and watched it. It's like otherwise you'd be
1: reviewing this under false pretenses.
0: No, I I watched the whole thing, but I watched the the um, the final like hour and whatever, and then I went back and watched the first 15 minutes. Alon, let me ask you this: Did you ever go movie theater hopping at like a big? Oh, of
1: course. This was in the 80s. Everybody did this. It was. Oh hell yeah! It was completely standard movie theater behavior back in the day. Oh, that's and I'll tell you what. My, my grandfather, I'll do you one better. Uh, when I was a kid, this was just how my grandfather went to movies. He did not look up times. He did not care when the picture started. <laughs> he would just decide what he wanted to watch. He would show up at the theater, and he would just get a ticket for whatever the next screening or the current screening they would let him get a ticket for. And he would go in, and he would watch the movie from whatever point it was on. And then if he enjoyed it after it was over... He would just stay and let them show it again and catch up with what he missed. He did not see any issue at all with doing this. This was That's just funny. how he watched movies. Oh, uh, uh, what's uh, what's your grandpa's name? Uh, Bill. Bill Roth was my grandpa. Bill Roth. Oh, I. Lo- no longer, no longer with us, Bill Roth. But uh, uh, but well, I, I loved him very much, very good grandfather. And yeah, that was just that was it. That was just how he he didn't. And I, you know, my brother and I would be like, what what are you? You can't you can't we miss the previews, we missed the beginning, we won't know what's happening. He's like, Yeah, hey, you'll catch up. <laughs> you'll figure I, it uh, out. You know what? That that that's that's really fun and quirky. I, I dig that. It's a very, very odd quirk. Eventually, I think we would we won. By by the time I was like twelve or thirteen, I was like, I'm not doing that. We're going it we're going to 430. Grandpa. Yeah, just had enough. That was how I talked to my grandfather. I was a terrible, <laughs> terrible Rude. Kid. Rude uh, child.
0: And, uh, yeah, Rosamund Pike's uh, real good in this. Uh, Peter Dinklage, a lot of fun. Uh, so I Care A Lot on Netflix. It is worth checking out. Uh, so the next movie we watch, this is a rollicking uh, fun time. Barb and Star.
1: Land. Oh, sorry.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Bob, a Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, which uh, you have to rent right now. It's uh, streaming. Yeah, VOD video on demand. But um, man, the, the, what a what a wild, fun time from Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo. They wrote it together. They co wrote uh, Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. And I'll, I'll tell this, you. Oh, go th- ahead. I am sorry. Th- this uh, it, it just had the vibe of kind of like a, a Magruder or a Pee Wee's Big Adventure, like certain elements taken from. Uh, the, films that kind of just do what they want to do. And I I'm
1: here for it. This to me feels like, and I, I honestly feel like we never, when Kristen Wiig first left SNL, I think we all assumed she would do movies like this. Yeah. Like, this feels like her man or her stepbrothers or like this feels like that. And I feel like and, and look, I like Kristen Wiig as an actress. I think she's done some good movies, but she kind of came out right away and started doing more serious things and more real acting. We never really got a period of her just doing goofy SNL type movies. Yeah. And I feel like this we're finally making up for it now. That's exactly what this feels like. This feels like this would come out right after she leaves snl and be her calling card of like i'm gonna make hilarious ridiculous comedies now and then we would get you know three or four more with diminishing returns so I'm, I'm hoping that this puts her in a new phase where she wants to do you know silly zany kind of movies where she plays multiple roles and where it's like kind of anything for a joke absurdity it's a lot of fun this we, we don't get enough of these kinds of
0: yeah, if if you don't like this movie, if you don't get a little bit tickled by this movie, uh, maybe, uh, you know, let me ask you a question. What's your fucking problem? You know? <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's just, it's damn good fun. And there's so much weirdness. There's just bizarre songs that they break into. My second favorite... Oh, go ahead.
1: I was saying they compared it, and I thought this was very good. It's mm. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion meets Airplane. And I think that really captures it. It's the... Anything for a joke, constant nonsense coming at you of airplane, but with the heart and the core relationship and friendship of Romy and Michelle. And I, yeah, I think this that, is my yeah.
0: second favorite comedy I've seen in the past calendar year, right behind uh Borat, the subsequent movie yeah. film, part Borat two. Uh, which I which I loved, but this movie, and you know who else? Like you know who's like a quiet, like low key MVP in this movie? Jamie Dornan. Jamie was Dornan's really very
1: funny good. in this, and he get he gets the big showcase musical number.
0: Here's here's a stupid, unnecessary hot take. Jamie Dornan better than Chris Hemsworth when it comes to comedy. When you're talking, if you want, if I was, if I had to cast a handsome devil, just a bowhunk stud muffin to uh, to do to do comedy, I'd go Dornan over Hemsworth. There it is. Uh, <laughs> because, I actually think
1: Chris Hemsworth is really funny. Like
0: he, he, he I en- listen, I enjoy him, but like I'm in false.
1: unfunny movie. It's like, like no, I, I'm
0: taking the small sample size.
1: Yeah, because like vacation and Ghostbusters. Yes, like, that was my mm, sole
0: comparison: Chris Hemsworth and Ghost Ghostbusters versus he's also Jamie. Also in vacation, Dornan.
1: and he's like the funniest part of both of those movies.
0: Also in what? Which
1: which did you vacation, say? Vacation, the rebooted vacation with Ed Helms as adult Rusty Griswold. Hemsworth is also in that. Uh, he's a funny guy. I think he's funny as Thor.
0: It's just, he hasn't gotten. An- he is. He's, he's, he's funny when, when he does dad bod Thor. Yeah.
1: I'd like to see him in something like this. I'd like to see him in something like this, where he gets more of an opportunity
0: to like Jamie Dornan. Like, you know, I didn't care for that guy. Like 50 shades. What? Leave me alone.
1: He's but- great in that Irish cop show that I know I have brought up before called the fall with Gillian Anderson. Uh, that is a terrific show. I believe it's on Netflix Uh, it is, he's a, he's a serial killer. Gillian Anderson is the cop who's searching for him. And you like follow both of their stories in parallel.
0: No, you're, you're talking about Clarice.
1: No, it's, it's clear. That's not Clarice. Clarice is just, (laughs) she's an FBI agent and she's from West Virginia. That's it. She remembers things that happened in the film Silence of the Lambs.
0: Again, Jamie Dornan better than Chris Hemsworth. And uh, I was very thrilled to see all the Groundlings cameos in there. Because, of course, uh, Annie Annie Mumolo and Kristen Wiig met at the Groundlings Comedy Theater in Los Angeles, and uh, lots of uh, where I uh, spent a little time myself performing in the Sunday show over there. And they... Oh, uh, we
1: get it. You've had a long and storied career. Jeez.
0: (laughs) Oh,
1: um, oh, I was in this
0: and that. Boy. uh, Mike Hitchcock, uh, Karen Moriyama, uh, Jordan uh, Jordan Black. Yeah, a lot of very funny, a lot of very funny folks. Uh, so Barb and Sargo go to Vista was, Del Mar. Uh, was
1: Vanessa Bayer one of those, or she's just from SNL? Because she's also very funny. Just
0: from SNL, I okay. believe. I don't think Vanessa Bayer is groundless. I, I
1: but, enjoy uh, that there's a room full of their friends back at home that's Vanessa Bayer, Fortune Feimster, Phyllis Smith. Uh, I forget, there's one or two other people in that room. Yeah, and we... Yep, we those are some of my favorite beats. was we they're, they're having this crazy raucous vacation adventure, but we occasionally will just cut back to their friends having very low key talking club meetings. And, yeah, and the, their these hometown. petty
0: ladies and their sad lives. Yeah,
1: I thought that those were really good cutaways. Vanessa Bayer is hilarious.
0: She's really oh, hilarious. Vanessa Bayer is awesome. I, I love her. Uh... Uh, Totino's pizza rolls. Yeah,
1: and uh, I was, and I, um, <laughs> and I, I think <laughs> you should leave. Out. She's in that incredible. I think you should leave sketch for oh, their Instagram. Mm-hmm. They're taking photos for Instagram.
0: Yep, yep. So lots of lots of fun, lots of laughs to be had. Do yourself a favor, check out Barb and Star.
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. It's 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 one of those movies where it's throwing so much at you that not all of the jokes connect. Like sometimes there'll be a joke where you're like, "Oh, geez," but. There's so much that that some of it does connect, and there are some really big there are some really big laughs. There's some great moments
0: for sure, and slightly less funny. I
1: don't Nomad know what Land
0: you're on, about. on Hulu, hilarious. we uh, she
1: poops in a bucket inside the van in which she lives. How
0: this funny. is true? That's just funny, Lon. This movie deals Nomadland, which is on Hulu. This deals with one of your favorite subjects the uh the fall of uh, late stage capitalism it is
1: one of my favorite i love it i'm a big fan big big late stage capitalism fan i i'm, I'm, a, I'm a really two minds about this movie i gotta be honest with you mm-hmm. I, I i i very much enjoyed watching it i was i was really moved by it as a as a story about francis mcdormand's character and these characters that she meets on the road. She plays a woman named Fern who loses basically everything. Her her husband dies. Uh, the the whole her whole hometown basically shuts down because the mine closes that was keeping it open. Uh, and so she basically packs all of her belongings that she cares about into a van, moves into this van, and just starts driving around the country looking for work and opportunities. And just is not you know just to remove herself from society and, and go do something else. Uh, and so I, I was really moved by her story. And and a lot of real people who live this nomad lifestyle are in the movie playing versions of themselves. And some of them are, it's very powerful. Like uh, that guy, Bob Wells, who he tells a story about his son. And it's this, he's a real guy. It's a true story. So it's almost a documentary element.
0: I didn't, I didn't, I did not realize that.
1: Yes. Uh, so swanky is real.
0: I remember um, wondering because it seems like it's populated.
1: Yeah, the three words, main, so. the three main nomads, the real nomads that we meet. Uh, Linda May, the woman she meets at the Amazon warehouse, who stays with her. Swanky, the woman who she does not really have cancer. She has cancer in the movie. They added that for dramatic effect, but she's real. Uh, and then Bob Wells, the guy who runs the whole project. He is real. That meeting is real. His YouTube videos are real, and the story he tells to Fern at the end of the movie is all real and it's it, it, incredibly emotional. I don't, I don't see how you couldn't be touched by this. It's so, it's so vivid. She Chloe, Chloe's out. The writer, director just captures it. So intimately, it seems almost unbelievable.
0: Yeah. It does feel like it's filled with truth and hard truths that like, If if you haven't planned properly, it's hard to take care of yourself towards the end of life. I don't like Um, that. It's
1: even if you have, it's not planning. It's not that you didn't plan properly. It's like this happens to a lot of people. Oh yeah, no. I mean, job. you're not in control.
0: Absolutely, circumstances can dictate that you are going to be scrambling and, um, and. It's not an unfamiliar story, probably to a lot of us. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had relatives and I know people who have been in this type of situation, and it really puts you in touch with these stark realities, and and it takes you inside. It does feel like you're a fly on the wall in, say, a, a giant Amazon uh, shipping warehouse. Mm-hmm. Well, so that and-
1: that's a perfect transition to my my dual feelings about the movie. Okay. Everything everything we just said is true as a drama about these characters. I found it incredibly moving and very successful. Probably one of the best movies I saw from out of last year. However, <laughs> uh it does seem to me to paint kind of an oddly rosy picture of this. I, and and I feel like especially in terms of how it handles the Amazon warehouse stuff, it just it just feels like It's only really being hard and truthful in it's look at the people and their lives and not so much as the system that has gotten us to this point. That feels a lot less pointed. Uh, uh, Just two two things that, that I would point out quickly. One is for a movie about a woman living alone in a van, just driving around and sleeping in parking lots, there's almost no mention of personal safety. There's only one moment where they're at this Convention for people who like RV enthusiasts and a guy is showing them a taser and they're like playing with a taser like well you could use this if somebody threatened you otherwise she never feels threatened at all And like that would be a daily reality for any man or woman living in their van and I felt it was really odd that the movie didn't ever even confront that everybody she meets on the road. No one is threatening. No one is sinister. No one has ulterior motives. The worst thing that happens is maybe a guy's like, you can't park here. Right. And, mm-hmm. and and I feel like in that way, it, it kind of glamorizes this life in a bit. It makes it romantic. Like, yeah. It reminded oh, me a little bit off of, and, Lon, it
0: reminded me a little bit of into the wild, uh, in that right respect. which
1: is that but then at the end of the movie sean penn makes it clear that like yeah but then this guy died like like there is a there is an edge to it that this one doesn't that this one doesn't so much have it is it wants to indulge in that this is a romantic thing that she's leaving it, the shackles but, of but civilization it's still,
0: behind it's still stark and sad and they do talk about
1: it's star- well. Look, she poops in a bucket. Like, I'm, it is stark. It's gritty. It's real. I don't mean to, to say that, that, that this isn't this isn't like the movie's bad or it's a flaw. Obviously, this was a decision. I just I don't know. It it, it felt it felt like a weird decision to me. The one other thing, and this is a more pointed criticism, I think. Mm-hmm. I understand that in order to shoot at an Amazon warehouse, which they wanted to do, it's in the book this is based on. Right. Linda May really did work in an Amazon warehouse, so for fidelity, they wanted to shoot there. But obviously mm-hmm. the deal with Amazon was nobody could say anything bad. And it felt right. pretty unrealistic to have a whole movie about all these people who work at this warehouse, and they all love the job and have nothing but positive things to say. Even if a, even if it was a great job that nobody's complaining about, everybody gripes about their fucking job. They're just all, they're like whistling while they work at the Amazon you know, warehouse. Was... And it's a little propaganda-y. I wouldn't
0: go that far. I, and listen, you can... Dissect Amazon like till the cows come home. Uh, Jeff Bezos uh, feathered his nest. Well, you don't need to dissect. We know
1: Amazon warehouses are horrible places to work. They don't allow people to unionize. It's punishing work. We we know that. It's it's well established.
0: Absolutely, but we. I feel like we were. it, It didn't bother me as much because you had people talking very frankly about the effects of giving your life over to be a cog in the wheel, work, 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 and then die. But
1: then they're (laughs) presenting an Amazon warehouse as an alternative to that. And of course it's not.
0: It's not not. an alternative. It's a way station, that seasonal work that she takes on to get money. She works during um, the holidays, during... Yeah, which is obviously. But you don't immersive.
1: get the sense that she wouldn't do that year round if the job wasn't. If you get the sense she moves on because the job dries up and she goes to look for work elsewhere. Right. So but, that's not throwing off the shackles. That's just there's not enough shackle to go around.
0: Well, she's in it for survival. Job. She will take the job wherever she can get it.
1: But that's that's but right. But like it's there's a contradiction here. Is is
0: all is all I'm saying. But she's in a place where she doesn't have the
1: choice. She does, I mean, she does have choices. Multiple people provide her with options. That's, that's the thing I'm saying. This movie chooses to focus on someone who could go move in. She's, there are two different people during the movie are like, come move in. I got a room for you right there. And she chooses to leave. In fact, the second time... Not only does she choose to leave, she can't even go to sleep inside. She's reached a place where she's gotten so involved in this nomad lifestyle that she can't really be at peace and rest well, I think unless she's in her of, van.
0: Well, I think it's a combination of that and her pride.
1: I, I understand. You're, yes, that's true. But, but what I'm saying is... That is an option. She's making a choice, and there are a lot of people who work in Amazon warehouses who do not have a choice and do not see it as a, a, a an option they would choose. Who are shackled there all the time, and it, it, we don't get that movie. We get we get a very different movie. And I'm not saying we should have gotten that movie, or it's bad because it's yeah. It's it's not an easy it's not an
0: easy choice though, and she is she does. She she does play a, a stubborn, complicated woman here.
1: That's, uh, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I think that this movie works brilliantly as a character study and as a drama about Fern, the Frances McDormand character, and this place in her life that she's reached, and these people that she meets on the road. But as a statement... Uh, where we are, late-stage capitalism, look at the world, social commentary, I don't know if it's as sharp as it is on the other side. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be both I see
0: that, but I also feel it was undeniable, the statement it was making, by uh, people being plugged into the machine that makes this country go, and then winding up at a place where the country, uh, where it seems like you've been hung out to dry, or all your efforts were for naught when you get to a certain place. But I I hear you. The Amazon stuff did kind of go unchecked, so I'm not going to debate with you on that. I want to make one more point real quick. Um, I mentioned Into the Wild, and just the tone of some of it, it reminded me of Into the Wild, and then it really—I don't know—it brought some of the sadness and loneliness of the film because it's super evocative. Like if if you know you don't have a heart if you're if you watch this and you're not fucking touched. But it reminded me a little bit of. Uh, an actor we lost recently, Hal Holbrook's performance in Into the Wild. And if you go back and if you haven't seen it, uh, Into the Wild is worth watching. And Emile Hirsch befriends an elderly gentleman played by Hal Holbrook, who uh, is a decorated actor from Mark Twain to uh, all sorts of other <laughs> for, uh, storied performances. Um, but his performance in Into the Wild really touched me as just this old guy who was alone and kind of, um, li- living off the fat of the land uh so yeah very very evocative there r i p hal Holbrook gotta give a shout out to a fellow hal, so nomad land on hulu Lon?
1: think we should think we should wrap it up We're yeah, I we na- yeah well
0: yeah I, th- I think we should call it a i think we should call it an afternoon of chat let 's call it an afternoon of chat.
1: It got hot in here. I don't turn my a c on when we record and i'm uh, I'm sweating bullets. you can probably see through the zoom uh,
0: i i mean you, you are you you do have a delightful glisten a little bit of a glow about you I
1: got a little glisten yeah for those of you listening right now, I want to paint you a visual portrait. I got a little glisten right now
0: oh yeah, picture that if you will, and I want to thank uh everybody in owl nation hoot hoot lawn uh What does it take to be an Al nation? Whatever you want, it's meaningless and it means everything. All you got to drop
1: out and get off the grid, man. That's the one. This is the only podcast that is published off the grid. I don't know if you guys knew that.
0: Oh yeah, you have to just find the right frequency, man. Uh, I want to thank Starburns Audio. I want to thank our awesome producer Adam Macias. taking out all of the problematic stuff that lon says
1: throughout the podcast boy oh man you were the one who said bohunk that's that's a slur isn't it no i believe the word bohunk is a slur for central europeans oh didn't we we, i think we talked about this before yeah i believe we did
0: I would say it's not a slur. I would say it's a compliment. Are you looking it up right now? I am
1: looking it up, yes. Uh, Noun, an immigrant from central or southeastern Europe, especially a laborer, a rough or uncivilized person. And I'm just here to say how, how dare you?
0: See, I always thought a bohunk was just like a handsome stud muffin.
1: that's a hunk.
0: Oh, man.
1: All right. You know, like bohemian, I believe, is probably... That would that would be my guess as to the. Urge. Um, I've got a little bit of soul searching
0: to do after this. Yeah, I think you do. And uh, I'm gonna have to uh, make my plan to uncancel myself once my the You shouldn't have called scandal. me out
1: for all of my censored racial slurs, of which there are many. Or I'm gonna throw bohunk back at you.
0: Gosh. Dog it. And If this uh, I were to
1: thank- the 1920s, there would be some very angry Serbs <laughs> right now. Very angry Serbs.
0: I want to thank my pal uh, Jason K. for giving us the sweet guitar licks to open up the show. And Lon, tell them where they can find you when you're not here.
1: If you are not an infuriated Serb, please find me on Twitter at LONS. You can also read, if you had Inside Streaming, you already had the full list I published today The fullest of all of this Paramount Plus content. You didn't even need to listen to the show, you idiot. You could have just gotten it all in a newsletter. That's at inside.com slash
0: streaming. And you can find me, uh, everyone, all Eastern Europeans, except the Albanian kidnappers from Taken. I don't take it back for you guys. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. But uh, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Hal Rudnick. H-A-L-R-U-D-N-I-C-K. and I appreciate you listening everybody we'll talk to you next time bye bye bitch boys, bitch boys. bitch boys, bitch boys. bitch boys, bitch boys. bitch 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 bitch